If you've got a Bible, um, you might want to start turning to Exodus 20. We'll be reading verses 8 to 11. Exodus 20, 8 to 11. By the way, my name's Raj. I'm one of the elders here at Jubilee. If you're a visitor today, there's quite a few visitors. Uh, welcome to Jubilee. Um, just to let you know, our Alpha course and Life Plus course, uh, course uh, courses last week, very vibrant, very buzzing. Uh, 13 guests on Alpha, 7 guests on Alpha uh, Life Plus, more coming this week. I want, to con- I want to ask you to continue to pray. And also, it's not too late to invite them, so do bring them along. So in a few weeks, um, we'll, um, in a few weeks' time, we'll be coming to the end of our life to the full series. Um, I've loved hearing the different stories of people uh, sharing over the last few months. Jesus, Jesus, promises us, Jesus promises us, and this is what this whole sermon series has been about for those of you who are new, Jesus promises us that, um, that, you, uh, that in, in John 10, that... Um, um, that, the one, that he is the one, Jesus is the one that releases fullness. He is the one that releases overflowing abundance and purpose and meaning into our lives. That's what Jesus says. I have come that they may have life to the full. This Jesus is turning, if you like, the world's understanding about, religious, on it, about religion on its head. It's not a set of rules uh, that will change you. It's not a list of do-its that will change you. No way. Those things don't change you for very long. The thing that will bring real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of, as the message version puts it, or as J.B. Phillips phrases it, far more life than before. It's not a manual. It's not a recipe. It's a relationship. It's a person. It's love, God himself in Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about over the last few uh, months. And so, over the week, so, uh, uh, and so as we've been unpacking these things, we realize that God intervenes in a whole lot of things, in our singleness, in generosity, in marriages, in friendships, in our church lives together, in battling through asylum um, and, and asylum uh, settings and separation situations. As we approach death, Uh, through temptation. You know what? The Christian faith is very, very relevant. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Jesus is powerful in the practical. And so this week, we continue with an area that I felt actually God drew me to, uh, really, and that's the whole area of Sabbath. That might sound a a little bit archaic. Sabbath, God's day off, God's rest, this is a change, actually, to what, to what I was planning uh, to speak about this morning, as I felt kind of the push of God, particularly as we kick off the year. Yeah. What does Sabbath mean for us? You see, we live in a world where prescriptions for treating depression and anxiety and stress goes up and up and up, as family life is breaking apart more than ever before, as hurry, hurry, hurry is destroying our souls, keeping us from living uh, keeping us from living well. This is, this, is a real, this is a real reality. Jubilee, our understanding, this is so important, our understanding of Jesus' gift to us, Sabbath rest is so, so needed in all of us today and the people around us. So let's look at what God says, shall we, in Exodus 28 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day 
by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or your female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your town. Sabbath is God's gift to everyone. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are Lord of the Sabbath. I thank you, Lord, that you uh, speak to us. I thank you, Lord, that you are involved in every area of our, our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that you ordained a pattern to our lives, that you ordained um, um, that we should uh, Sabbath, that we should rest in your rest, that somehow this, this thing from thousands of years ago infiltrates our lives in a way that keeps us going, that helps us um, uh, receive you more and more, that calls us to our Isaiah call, 61 call and releases us into everything that we're called to do. So I pray, Holy Spirit, as we unpack this, that you will touch us, that you will speak to us, but not just theologically, not just in our heads, but actually touch our hearts. Come, Lord, touch our hearts this morning and actually make our lives look different. I pray, Lord God, that you reorientate us in a way that only you can do by your Holy Spirit. Convict us. Convict us this morning in an encouraging way, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what's Sabbath? Um, what has it got to do with us today? Well, back in Genesis, which describes God's original intentions for humanity, before Adam and Eve decided to disobey God and go it their own way, as God is making the world, the universe, and everything, over six days, it says, Genesis, over six days, it says in Genesis 2, quite surprisingly, really, after those six days, it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So, on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The Hebrew word sabbat, um, from which the word sabbath, sabbath comes from, means to cease. It means to desist. In God's seven-day cycle, there seems uh, 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 in God's seven-day cycle, there's a day that looks different, that was different, a day given to God, set apart. It's what made holy means for God. Question: Why is God resting? In the opening verses, that's what got me, in the opening verses of Genesis, we see God creating everything from nothing just by the voice of his authority. In just two words of Hebrew text in Genesis 1.16, he creates a hundred billion stars that makes up our galaxy. Boom! He, he makes a hundred billion galaxies of stars which stretch across, across the universe. Boom, 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 God working. God's working really hard. But then, astonishingly, he says, on the seventh day, I'm going to chill out, man. I'm going to relax. I'm going to put my feet up. I'm pushed. Tiger. He created the animals by then. 
Tiger, where's the flicker? Let's stick Corrie on. God needed to rest. Does God need to rest? God tells Isaiah, because that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't work when you read the rest of the Bible. God tells Isaiah, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. He doesn't need rest. Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too, God himself, that's what he's saying, am working. God isn't getting tired, so why the day off? Well, Jesus tells us and brings that um, Old Testament ancient um, concept of the Sabbath right into the New Covenant so that it affects us. He tells us the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of the the, uh, man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Sabbath jubilee was made for mankind. You and me. Get that. Sabbath was made for you. Let that that just sink in for a bit. Sabbath was made for you. God gave humanity the gift of Sabbath, not out of tiredness, not because it was his kind of weekly habit. It wasn't. He gave, he gives the precious gift of his rest, Sabbath, to teach humanity a vital, important principle. What? It all begins with God. That's the point of Sabbath. When God finished his phenomenal six-day work, he stopped Sabbath so that Adam could open his eyes on day one, remember, that was his day one, before Adam had done anything at all, he was resting right from the start in all the fruit and amazement and provision of what God had already done for him. That was his day one. His Sabbath day would start in the evening, resting, fellowshipping with God in the cool of the day. Imagine that. Eating all that God had provided. Then, sleeping. By the time man or woman had even lifted a, a single, lifted a single arm or a leg to do any work, God had already worked a 12-hour shift, sustaining things, keeping things going. It all, it all begins with God. That's the point. You see, the workaholic can't get this. He frets, he stresses, he fumes, he twitches, because he's all reliant. Because he, 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 he's all reliant on himself. He genuinely believes it all begins with him. The result? Burnout, breakdown, depression, fatigue, weariness. In contrast, the Sabbath observer, and we'll get on to that a bit later, the Sabbath observer has learned to trust that the world, the church, his life, his family, his relationships are safe, are safe in the creator God's hands. The apostle, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, um, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. He's emphasizing God's work. He's not telling us that we don't work at all. Just in case you're getting excited. 
Jubilee, it all begins with God. If you're not a Christian here this morning, Jesus is a Sabbath. Jesus' Sabbath is an invitation, a prescription, if you like, to, uh, to rest from all your striving and stressing and shame and disappointment. It's an opportunity to come up for air and breathe life, God's life. If you're not a Christian, I would receive this, this, this person, Jesus. Someone wrote over there, just on that table, um, that one of our kids, I'm presuming, uh, that it says, without God, our hearts are incomplete. That's true. <clears throat> Mark Buchanan writes uh, in his amazing book, um, uh, The Rest of God, it's called, um, buy it, read it, and then make it work. Um, he writes this, I learned to keep Sabbath in the crucible, the fiery, painful furnace, of breaking it. I like that line. God made us from dust. We're never too far from our origins. The Apostle Paul says, we are only clay pots, dust mixed with water. Hard, yes, but brittle too. Knowing this, God gave us the gift of Sabbath, not just a day, but an orientation, a way of seeing and knowing and living, an attitude to nurture stillness, both a time in a calendar and a disposition of the heart. Sabbath imparts the rest of God, physical, mental, spiritual rest, but also the rest of God, the things of God's nature and presence we miss in our busyness. I might include that for you to talk about in your community groups. We sang, didn't we? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Sabbath. That's what the rich biblical understanding of Sabbath is all about. Not a law to keep, not another list of do-its on a, a big sheet, but God's gift, his wisdom to us for life, life to the full. So why do we Sabbath? Why do we Sabbath? Uh, let's get a bit more practical. What does ceasing from work mean we are doing? What things give us Sabbath rest? Quick, sort of a quickfire few points. Quickfire few points. First, we Sabbath to remember Jesus' work. Okay, question. Are we saved by works? Are we saved by works? Simon's laughing. He's thinking, oh, which way shall I go? <laughs> We've heard two no's. I'm going to be controversial. Yes, we are. Don't throw the tomatoes. We're saved by Jesus' works. Yeah. We're saved by Jesus' very, very, very hard work to save us. Why? Because he loves us. Hebrews 12, 2, couldn't, couldn't emphasize it more. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured, worked, sweated. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right-hand throne of God. You see, this is the radical nature of the gospel. 
Most other faiths and other worldviews say, if you want to be saved, you need to work. You need to keep reincarnating, getting better all the time. That was from my Hindu upbringing. You need to pay off your karmic debt. You need to be a good person. You need to keep living a moral life. God's weighing up your good deeds over your bad deeds all the time. Work, 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 whatever it is. To get God, you need to work. Christianity is altogether different. That's what got me when I first um, became a believer. It stands out a mile. It's news. It's good news. It's God's news. It's joy news. Joy news about the work of Jesus as he took, took our broken, my broken, messed up life and exchanged it for everlasting, eternal closeness to God. That's why Jesus sat down. That's why on the cross Jesus says, it is finished rather than I am finished. All the work is done. All the work is done. His work. And by the grace of God that comes, we benefit from His work. When we Sabbath, we remember this. We worship. That requires us to stop. We remember Jesus. Secondly, we Sabbath to connect with Jesus and his people. When we get busy, we give our time primarily, or I find this, we give our time primarily to things and not people. But you know what? People are most important to God. We will spend forever, you will spend forever with the people of God. Just look around. Just look around and just think about that for a while. Look into someone's face. Jubilee, don't neglect our, our devoted community structure. Don't do it. Meetings on Sundays weekly, meeting in our community groups a few times a week, meeting at our church together, prayer meetings monthly, meeting as a community group together, our devoted gatherings, as community groups together, our devoted gatherings, getting your kids involved. It's sacrificial. This isn't just a functional week-by-week pattern to keep you entertained and to keep you busy. It's not, it's not, um, it's, it, it's not to help us manage you. No, this is discipleship. This is strengthening one another. This is meeting God. This is revival preparation. This is iron sharpening iron. This is dynamite. That's what I think when I think about the community of God getting together. Spend your time with your church. Spend your time with your friends, with your kids, with your wife, with those you love. Thirdly, Why do we Sabbath? We Sabbath to rest. (sighs) To rest. Take a nap. Take a day off. Take time out. Stop. In the midst of a storm, one of the stories in the Gospels tells us that in the midst of a storm and crisis, Jesus was asleep on a cushion. His disciples said, don't you care? What did he say? He accused them of lacking faith. Mark Driscoll says this, um, a Bible teacher, he says, sleeping is an act of worship. And it's your way of saying, I believe that when I am asleep, God is still sovereign. And I don't need to get up and control everything because the one who is in control 
has it co- actually has it covered. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Then stop, take a nap. God is glorified when you're asleep. Did you know that? Small print though, some of you need to do less sleeping and get up more. And some of you are playing, playing, playing and you need to get back to work. But we'll move on. Fourth, have some fun. When we're playing, have fun. When we're playing with our kids, when we're at a party, God loves it. He was the one who solved the wine problem, remember, at a wedding celebration, and hear this, at his first miracle. His first miracle. Have some fun. Get some fresh air. You know what? Religious people are not fun. Hear this. Don't give your friends, now this is serious, don't give your friends the wrong message about Jesus by being religious and boring. Kids wanted to hang out with Jesus, as we just heard from Marvash. Why? Because he was fun. What, was, what, what, uh, what is it that recharges you? What is it that brings you life? What is it that brings fun into your life? Fifth, keep strong in God. Probably the most destructive person in my life is me. We didn't divvy this out because uh, we didn't divvy this talk out to me because I've got it in the bag. Far from it. In fact, I think sometimes Jesus is having a serious laugh when we end up talking on some of the subjects we do. Um, this is an area of my life that I, that I know I have to keep on the table. I can't remove it ever. It's always up for discussion. Often on holiday, um, we have family talks about this, um, trying to reset us, putting us back on track planning for busy seasons. Sometimes it can be tough. Often it's sacrificial. What do I need to say bye-bye to? If I don't take, um, um, if I don't take voluntary Sabbath rest, it will be forced on me. It will be forced on us in, in ways like sick notes, burnout, heart attack, hospital. If you're, le- if you're in leadership jubilee, whether that's in church ministry or in, in, in the workplace, Um, or in your home, or in ministry settings, all sorts of things, you need to set the pace here. You're the driver. Sabbath is for everyone. You are God's appointed person to remember the Sabbath in the places he's called you to shape. A big, big responsibility. Very countercultural. What other people are now starting to cotton onto and are calling resilience in the workplace. Really, it's Sabbath. Sixth, finally, to propel us into the world. This Sabbath, this ceasing, this stopping is not an end in itself. It's not. It's a rocket boost, if you like, uh, into action. It's electricity. It's remembering again and again and again that it all begins with God. The psalmist, uh, Dave Holden, brought brought this to us prophetically quite a number of years ago. The psalmist says in 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Jubilee. Sabbath teaches us to trust Jesus. Sabbath stops us from our works, from our works regularly to recognize and acknowledge 
His great work. Sabbath replenishes zeal, passion, and faith. But ultimately, Sabbath rockets us with, with Jesus' life into the world, making a difference. This is not sit, a sit-back-on-your-sofa sermon. Jubilee, God is building this house. He is watching over the city. He is working all the time. Therefore, we walk like Jesus into all the adventure and opportunity that he puts before us. And you know what? That is our Isaiah 61 call. Now we're going to end with this film. Can you hear the rhythm of the Father's heartbeat? The beat that sets the pace and place for where we put our feet. We were formed in secret. All we knew was this drum. The heart of love is calling and the dance has begun. Maybe it's the way we walk. Can you hear the feet of thousands who followed him through their youth? Who despite the trends and reaction of friends kept marching on in truth? Who from their first steps learned to follow with their all and never got distracted by any other call? You can throw boys and toys and money at us, career success and fame at us. But when you've walked with the line of Judah, nothing else comes close. Maybe it's the way we walk. Maybe it's the way we choose to stay on that street, in that crowd, at that job, in that city, and know that things can change just by what we carry. As we go to work and share our lives, our simple prayer is use me. Because we have this treasure held in jars of clay. The unmistakable power of God is with us on display. Maybe it's the way we walk. Can you hear the feet of thousands living the love of God in action? Unable to contain the name of Jesus when we meet anyone. Because we show up with clean hearts but ready for dirty hands. And we go to war with our culture and our mode of attack is to stand. We're dropping dynamite, living a highly flammable life. Our mouths are peppered with fire, a live wire. Through the darkness breaks the light. Maybe it's the way we walk. We're carrying the truth, explosive perspective, a wrecking ball of hope and faith that smashes down the walls that stare you in the face, telling you it's a mistake. All of this, your creation, telling you to live and die in a world of isolation. We will tear it down. Tear down the lies with the sword of truth that leaves the learned blind and the blind seeing through. Through the mask and the shadow to a glimpse of glorious light that although just a dim reflection now, is still dazzlingly bright. Maybe it's the way we walk. Shoulder to shoulder across generations, we have an inheritance that stretches beyond our lifelines. In the family of God, we're all brothers and sisters and we can all be spiritual fathers and mothers. But God's biology isn't exclusive. The invitation of our lives is to bring home others, characterized by adoption, acceptance, reconciliation. You should see the family get-togethers all across the nation. Our community is contagious. Our generosity, outrageous. No need to entertain us because we're all participators. Maybe it's the way we walk. We walk with hearts full to overflow, then we walk with empty pockets. And we are satisfied with lives of breadcrumbs or banquets. Because we have nothing, yet possess everything. And we lost our lives to save our lives on the road of suffering. And yet we stand with open hands, covered in anointing. And we drink the call of Isaiah 61 and say, this is what we bring. 
Maybe it's the way we walk. Can you hear the sound of thousands who can't contain their conviction that more is possible with Jesus and at our fingertips is the kingdom. Breaking out and breaking in, a new way will begin when the people of God, free and forgiven, pour out our lives in worship and submission. Have you met the king? Have you heard him roar? Scaring off the enemy, crumbling the walls of our fortified cities, calling his people to go behind enemy lines and bring back his lost children that we'd give our lives to find. Young, old, strong, weak, healthy, sick, rich, poor, welcome to a movement like you've never seen before. We're walking this out together and however bleak the landscape gets, we're going to hold on to hope, whatever. Because we know God hasn't given up on his church and he hasn't left our shores. So we pray, we move, we love, we give everything for the kingdom's cause. Look out for Jesus' normal radicals walking across our land. Christ in our schools and unis, Christ in our homes, Christ in the work of our hands. Christ in who we are, Christ in what we do, Christ in why we stand. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in every breath we talk. Jesus Christ is on the move and he's in the way we walk. Yeah, Lord, I thank you that we are called to this great um, adventure. I thank you, Lord, that in your Sabbath you um, speak to us faith, that in your Sabbath you speak to us that it all begins with you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as we go out from today, as we do whatever we do throughout the weeks, throughout the months, with kids, with friends, with families, with work colleagues, at school, at uni, everything, Lord, in our streets, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bring the message of Jesus alive in everybody's heart. I pray, Lord God, tonight at Alpha, that people will come alive to the truth of the gospel. I pray, Lord God, those on Life Plus will know something more and more about you. I pray, Lord God, in Sparklers this week, in Open Door, in the Hope Foundation, at Food Bank, in the football team, in our community groups, in every single, in every single place that you've called us to walk. I pray, Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.